Welcome to Takeaways, Life Lessons Learned. I'm your host, Hayam Mizrahi, recording from MDL Group. Recognized market leaders in commercial real estate brokerage and property management in Las Vegas, Nevada. Join me as I explore my takeaways from the people who have influenced me the most. Let's get started. We are on site at the NAOP March program. NAOP, as you know by now, is the Association for the Commercial Real Estate Development Community. With me as usual, Sean Donosky, CEO of DC Building Group, one of the most active general contractors in the market and on planet Earth. Sean is also the president of the Southern Nevada chapter for NAOP. Welcome, Sean. Welcome back. I am. I missed you. Yeah, thank you. Welcome back. I missed February. So before we go into the March takeaways, let's do a quick recap of the February NAOP breakfast program, which was a fireside chat with NAOP member and programs committee member Dan Tutlin, and also the CEO, the new CEO of the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority, Steve Hill. He took over in September of 2018. So I think this was one of, if not, it wasn't his first public speaking engagement since becoming CEO, but it was one of the first. And from that breakfast, I know I missed it, but I did read in the paper about a half a dozen articles with some news that he broke that day. But fill me in, Sean, what were some of your takeaways from that February program? When he showed up here, I asked him to share some news that had not been disclosed yet. So when he got on stage, he shared that they were selling the Sands property on the Strip, that it was a much better use for a, a tall structure versus convention space. Huh. So there, will there not be a um, entrance on the Strip like planned? I believe that's changed. Okay. He showed graphics and well, different accesses. They bought some additional property close to the convention center, and then they're going to use the sell of that other property to help pay for some of the additional improvements. That shows some fiscal responsibility. It did. Uh, he also shared some other interesting news that would be kind of backwards in our industry that the rental space, the floor space during these conventions is not the primary income producer that covers the cost of the LVCVA. The bulk of the income comes from concessions, technology, advertising, and our room tax. They simply use the, the floor space to bring people to Las Vegas. So not actually uncommon because we heard some stuff today from Rick Myers, which we'll get into around a similar analogy, but I don't want to spoil yet. You know, give, give something maybe not fully away, but not profit from it so that you get everything else. We'll get into that. What were some other takeaways from February? Uh, two more items. He shared an interesting statistic that in 1963, Las Vegas had 15,000 hotel rooms, and now we're over 150,000. 150,000 hotel rooms? And it is the job of the LVCVA to continue to fill those rooms. Heads and beds. I know the Heads slogan. And- and they have conventions scheduled out to 2039. 20, 30, 20 years from now. Yes. Yeah, I did the math quickly. I had like two cups of coffee. Usually I don't do math in public this early in the morning. So 20 years from now, I'll be 59 years old. Still uh, here in Las Vegas, maybe. Still cranking away. How about you? Uh, I'm still going to be sitting here doing takeaways with you. Oh, thank you, Sean. Well, let's get into today's then. <laughs> Uh, today's program, 
the title, Welcome to Possible. Vacant deserts, farmlands, blighted areas transformed into corporate headquarter hubs. The presenter, none other, Rick Myers, the, president. The Rick Myers. Excuse me, the Rick Myers, president of Thomas & Mack Development Group. The sponsor this morning, big shout out and a big thank you to Lever Capital, Adam Horowitz, a great NAOP member also on the programs committee. The room today, jam-packed, 220 people. That's the official stat. Uh, let's go back to Adam a bit. I, I was quite surprised by his presentation. I thought he was very, uh, very engaging. He did a skit. He did a skit with a phone call. Who, who, who called him? All right, John, I'm going to make a confession. I came a little late. He called me out. I missed the skit, so tell, tell me about it. Oh, he did a skit, and he, he played a call from uh, the current president and was going back and forth about financing a border wall, and uh, it, was, it was actually pretty entertaining. That's funny. He's going to hate me for missing it, but hopefully somebody captured it on, uh, on film somewhere. So, Rick, let's get back to Rick and his presentation. He started out, you know, let's go back to the title, Welcome to Possible, how blighted areas, farmlands, vacant deserts are transformed into quarter... Uh, into headquarter, corporate headquarter hubs. He started out with a statement that I know you and, and you're in Vistage and I'm in Vistage. It really resonated. He said, everything that you think is possible starts with you believing that it's possible. So believe, strive, behaviors. Pretty astute, Rick. Uh, big picture, his program was about 100 pictures. Uh, no, no words, no statistics. Well, with the exception of one slide, no words, no, st no statistics. Bunch of pictures, uh, areas uh, then and now, Plano, Texas. Um, what else is coming to mind as far as the areas? He had Plano, Texas, uh, New York. I think he talked about Chicago, Phoenix, and, of course, he wrapped it up with Las Vegas. Yeah, so then and now, great picture of a vacant. There's nothing. You see maybe like a little box on the screen and a bunch of, of land around it, and then, boop, next slide is... Here's what's there now. Beautiful, architecturally inspired structures where corporations are choosing to locate, which we'll talk about why. And then his, his mantra, he had a couple mantras other than welcome to possible. There was the corporate user comes in and then comes residential and then comes retail and then comes other ancillary developments. That's the tie-in to the uh, convention center that you brought up. You give the big convention the space at cost or a little bit above and you get all the revenue that follows with it once a he talked about when a big corporation shows up there is no pre-leasing to worry about there is no spec building it is they show up and there is instant activity immediately financeable you go to the bank now and correctly they will tell you you've got you know they're looking at risk and you want to build something like that we're going to phase it there's no phasing with corporate no, it's, Corporate users. it's all in. And as we continue to share some of the key uh, companies and locations, uh, it's pretty impressive. Definitely impressive. Another mantra. So we've got welcome to possible. We've got corporate users are followed by residential, followed by retail, followed by other ancillary uses. Very clear mantra. He's been on a NAOP national journey. He's just one guy. And I think he invited everybody in the room today and everyone not listening who's a NAP member, to join him on that journey because it's available to all of us, regular guys like you and me. Yeah, what he's seen, I believe, is not 
not spoken about enough. The NAOP national events and the national forums and the national exposure that we get simply by being NAOP members is incredible. Uh, and it's really hard to experience until you're there. But everything he spoke about was true. I got, I got two kind of things. One, go to these, just go to the conference. There's good information, uh, people doing, people, professionals in commercial real estate development at the highest level across the entire spectrum of disciplines, developers, brokers, attorneys, lenders, architects, engineers, all that. And they're sharing with you what's happening everywhere else. And there are, are cities that are much more mature than Las Vegas. There are cities that are in different places of the development cycle than Las Vegas. So pulling myself out of my own day-to-day, going to these conferences and getting perspective, major perspective, that was one. All you have to do is show up, sit there, and consume the information. The other one, it seemed a bit more proactive. There's a thing he talked about called NAOP National Forums. Again, today's confession time for me. I have not checked those out and have not gotten involved, but I will. There are 50 or so national forums that he talked about, different segments of the development industry, office forum, lender forum, developer forum, developing leaders forum, all that. You go to these, you have to be invited in, and specifically so that there aren't competitors in the same group. And the whole purpose of that is to share information and get feedback from your peers in your segment. So if you're in the, in the general contracting segment, Sean, you would go and you maybe could put your operational budgets on the table and say, hey guys, how am I doing? How are my margins? And get good feedback without fear of somebody ripping you off or taking your business. What they're designed to do, well, yes, there's about 50 forums. I think that comes out to about 900 members, almost a thousand members in these forums. And it creates an environment to become a think tank. Share what we're doing in this part of the country or that part of the country. Share what's working. Share how the new ideas. It, re- it becomes kind of a, um, I-, I would call it a a planning retreat or a strategic retreat that we may do internally in our company, but now we get to do it with individuals from around the country with different ideas, different perspectives. And we get to bring that back and see what we can do with it here in Las Vegas. So that was the other big, big theme of, of today. You go out to these other cities, you see what is possible, and then you come back home. And I actually I was talking to some folks after. I was standing with Sally Dobler and Lloyd Manning, two longtime NAOP members, and Lloyd said... You know what, Haim? I Hearing this, I wish I was, I was still doing development because it really gets your blood boiling. You see what else is happening out there and how they've converted these uh, you know, old prisons or old hangars that Rick was talking about and made them into these really inspiring corporate headquarters. And we have a ton of land here in Las Vegas, another NAOP topic about BLM and all that. We have a lot of canvases, so to speak, to create this stuff. One of the things he did uh, kind of poke is, what's driving these corporate users going to these places? Attracting talent, retaining talent. And companies want to go where the talent is. And he's talking about cool cities. And he he kind of poked at us all. He's like, I know of a cool city, Las Vegas. What he talked about that was eye-opening is not being just where the talent is. Be where the talent wants to go. Those companies don't have a problem recruiting, relocating, transporting their employees, but they just want them to be in an environment they want to hang out. And he used an example of a location for one of the corporate headquarters, I believe it was one of State Farms, that they had a great attraction and recruitment of employees, but they were in a city Mm -hmm. that people Mm -hmm. didn't want to live. Yep. 
they get the interns from school to come there for the summer, but uh-uh, we're not moving there. So State Farm literally built new other headquarters elsewhere in cities that they could move those employees to. To attract and retain the talent. Uh-huh. So getting perspective, he talked about what's driving these things. And the, the economic factors or other factors that go into an office lease, for example. I need my rent per square foot to be this. I need my density per employee to be that. I need my parking ratio to be this. I need that, 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 that. About a year ago, I was at an SIOR national conference in Denver. Same kind of a theme here where get out of your market, get some perspective. Major developer downtown Denver was talking about something similar. You could take sister buildings, one built your typical skyscraper, marble and steel, and the next one built with amenities, a rooftop deck, cool dining options. Same building, same area. Your rent would be 20 to 30% higher with the building with amenities, and your occupancy will be, I don't remember what the percentage was, higher. And he talked about it in a way, so that was one from the developer's perspective. Then you go to the other breakout session, and it's a bunch of occupiers. These are the folks that work at these corporations that have to make real estate decisions on behalf of the corporations. And the question was posed to them, is this decision moving from the CFO's office to the head of HR? Going back to attracting and retaining talent. And some say yes, some say it's dicey, it's, yeah, you know, it's a political conversation still, but we feel you know, it, it goes back to what's the point. The point is attracting and retaining talent. And when you look at your cost for attracting and retaining talent, shift some of that over to your cost of real estate, now you can pay a little bit more to be in that cooler building, a la you know, downtown Summerlin, their first building and their second building. Spec buildings built here in Las Vegas. No one else is doing it right now. You know, there's conversations around they own the land and all that, but they're filling them up at rents that are higher than the market. Why? Because their employees can go there, do yoga in the morning, get a full day of work, 17,000 places to choose for from lunch, and then I get to go to happy hour with my buddies at the end of the day. And in many cases, have a five-minute drive home. Yep. Well, if you live in Summerlin, but if you live in Henderson now, different conversation. So let's go right into what were some of the projects that really stuck out for you that, that Rick was showcasing today. One of the ones he talked about, he talked about the corporate headquarters for State Farm in Plano, Texas. Farmland, really no infrastructure. It was 2 million square feet. 2 million. He talked about J.C. Penney. I believe that was in a similar area. Toyota Motors, then FedEx then Liberty Mutual. Toyota alone took over 2 million square feet. In, in that example, it was one for the first JCPenney came and then the rest. And then once Toyota showed up, that's it. it. They validated that area and other corporate headquarters came and almost laughable. When the corporate headquarters come, then comes the residential, then comes the retail. I see, Rick, if you're listening to this, I was listening to you. He also noted that there was no subway to the sites. There was no light rail to the sites. They were literally in maybe an hour from many other amenities. What do you make of that point? I've got an opinion. We talk a lot about um, what we don't have here as a city, and that's why we can't do things. And, and I think part of the big point today was it's already happened elsewhere without those things, without the bells and the whistles. And I think if we focus on what do we have here and what is the point for these companies attracting and retaining talent, 
How are we messaging ourselves to signal to those other corporations that we're trying to get here that this is a place where you can attract and retain talent? Las Vegas is the entertainment capital of the world. It might not be the financial capital of the world or the political capital of the world, but it is the entertainment capital of the world. And we can build off of that, I believe. It is the entertainment capital of the world. It is easy, easily accessible by plane from all over the world. It is affordable. It is, you don't have weather problems. You don't have earthquake problems. You, you literally can do anything you need to do here as far as developing, manufacturing, building. We can do it here. We can. Uh, you know, hearing this today, there's another couple of things that stuck out. You see all this stuff that's happening elsewhere, and you can't help sit there and measure two things. You can't help and measure the city, which is what you and I just started talking about. And you also can't help but to measure yourself. And that goes back to the getting involved in the, in the um, you know, getting out of your desk, out of your daily routine, getting on a plane, flying somewhere else, gaining perspective, meeting new people, having new conversations, creating new ideas. Back to what Lloyd said, man, this is firing me up. Those two things were apparent for me today. Two of my takeaways were how do we stack up as a city and how am I stacking up as a, as a professional in my industry? You know, NAOP, he did throw out a stat on, on NAOP National. This was a big one. Um, 19,000 members nationally? Yes. For the organization? Yeah, that's, uh, that's about the, annu- the, the national membership here in Southern Nevada. We have close to 600. Puts us in the top 15 of the nation. Well, we talked about that, I think, a couple episodes ago. We did. Little old Las Vegas. Welcome to Possible. 15th in the nation among this guerrilla development organization nationally. Rick talked about that NAOP corporate recognizes Southern Nevada, and he talked about some of the awards that our members have won. Uh, I think we, we almost win award, an award from national almost each year. We meet, meaning the individuals in our chapter who show up every day. But then he also talked about, and you can clarify, some of the programs that this chapter does is award-winning too, the educations program, the government affairs. Yeah, National evaluates the different programs, whether it's a breakfast program, a mixer, an education, or a special event. And we have won awards for some of those programs as well, the way we've put them on. And we've modeled them to other chapters. Other chapters have looked at what we've done and taken them and implemented them in their chapters to improve improve their membership, improve uh, their education programs to grow. So back to Rick, back to some of these projects. Yeah. Google. Talked to Google a lot. Talked about Amazon a lot. But what other companies are there that are not Google and Amazon that maybe we could go after as a city? We didn't really talk about that. And I think it was by design, actually. I think Rick's point today was not to say, hey, guys, here's how we're going to be doing things. Because there are other organizations in our community that that's their job. And he, I, I believe, didn't want to you know, make any assertions around that, but just to say, hey, here's what I'm seeing elsewhere, and this is what is possible. I would agree. He threw out some projects with incredible dollar amounts. He threw out projects um, for Google, buying the old Nabisco building. Uh, Somewhere in New York, $2.4 billion. He talked about Hudson Yards, 
a $25 billion development. So that it kind of smacked me in the face when he talked about that. He talked, I just read about this in the paper a couple of days ago. Hudson Yards is opening and it's 25, it's the biggest mixed use project that's ever been built. And I'm thinking, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty up to snuff. I read the rags. And he, <laughs> Rick's like, yeah, we were there about a year and a half ago. We walked, we walked the project with the development team. They were telling us about what they're doing and why they're doing it and how it's possible. And I'm like, all right, thanks, Rick. I got I got I got to get on an airplane to get some cutting edge perspective simply through NAOP relationships. Yeah. yeah. Simply through the either the forums or the tours or a national NAOP event. Yeah. So there's one coming up in LA? There is. So NAOP has Icon West coming up June 6th and 7th in Long Beach, California. It is one of the the largest gathering of real estate professionals that NAOP puts on. So, yeah, we can go to the NAOP website, look it up, naop.org, Icon West. Rick talked about that. This one is specifically focused on industrial. Uh, NAOP also has another one that's specifically focused on office. That one seemed interesting for me. I'm going to go check that out. Although this one coming up, Icon, June 6th and 7th, Rick will be speaking at, and he's that's the slide, the one slide he put up with statistics that wasn't a picture. And it was, it was an image with statistics embedded in it of how freight moves from Asia to the United States and how many days it takes, 13 days I think it was, to cross the ocean. And it goes mostly into the... Um, the port in the LA port, LA port. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then where it goes from there. And then he talked about, so what if you go down and around the Panama canal and he showed that that takes longer actually. And then he asked a couple questions. What if manufacturing starts shifting from Asia to Mexico? So and I, ha- I actually sat in that, in that presentation you were there? with Rick. Yes. So I watched that slide and listened to it and it was, it was a perspective whether we're involved in, office or whether it is industrial or whether it's retail how products shipped around the country is hugely important and yes it can get from asia to la to new york in less than 20 days where if the ship takes it all the way around the panama canal it takes 26 days i think it yes, said up to 26 days and that's assuming the weather and you can get through the panama canal correctly uh, so what he was focusing on is the importance of transporting goods across the country and yes, he talked about this is how it comes from Asia. But what happens when it shifts to Mexico? Mm-hmm. Well, it's still going rail and still going truck. And what does our highway infrastructure look like? And how long does it take to get across the country? And he focused on time. Time to get deliverable, to get products delivered in today's economy is hugely important. Yeah, if you could shave a day here or a day there, it, it really matters. And he talked about as you, as you learn how goods are moved you know where the real estate plays are. Obviously, industrial is huge in the ports in Los Angeles. Uh, cap rates right now are, are white hot when you get long-term tenant tenant signing leases. And then the question comes, all right, so if I have a 20-year lease, but something dramatically shifts with the way things are manufactured and brought into the United States, what's my, that, this was my takeaway, what's my investment worth? If now things are moving up from Mexico through Arizona and Texas as opposed to through Los Angeles. Likely, not likely, doesn't matter. It's still really, really good perspective. Yeah, I think as it changes, it creates added opportunities, and anticipating those changes helps us 
continue to grow the organization. So with that, Sean, any any takeaways to to bring it home? Oh, there there's there's a handful of other projects that Rick spoke about this morning. I was really surprised at how many different areas Amazon is impactful in the country, how many different uh, facilities they have. Uh, so then he talked about how Amazon spent two years selecting the location for their new corporate headquarters. And politics aside and where that ends up, uh, they received almost 300 proposals before they landed in... In Long Island. Yeah, which I don't know if I would have picked Long Island. I don't know enough about it. I think it was a head-scratcher when they announced it. They're in Virginia City, which the the joke Rick made is, where is that? And then he showed it. It's in Washington, D.C., essentially, and he, he understands why they would pick that. You know, the question is, why did they pick those locations? goes back to his, his mantra of these companies are looking at where is the talent? How do we get them? How do we keep them? One of the, one of the coolest ones that he talked about was he referenced the Hughes Airport in L.A. Yeah. And it closed. I don't know if it closed in the 60s or the 70s. And now it's become... Playa Vista, uh-huh. one of the coolest mixed, Rick's words, one of the coolest mixed-use projects complexes, yeah. uh, in the U.S. There's no rail available. He said you don't need it. <laughs> and they took some really cool history. He, he, he took a picture of the Spruce Goose. The Howard Hughes airplane was built in this hangar, and then they have now, Google, just leased it. They lease the hangar. Yeah. To make an office building. Yeah. Yep. So if we look at these these high tech companies, Google and Amazon, and then the universities and uh, these big tenants and these big tech companies are investing billions of dollars, taking massive amounts of square footage. So that they're in places that they can attract and retain talent, and that's the paradigm shift, and that's where I think things are going for us as a city. We've got a lot of opinions on this that I'll save for another time. Um, I want to say a couple things. One, um, I'll give a um, an announcement here for NAOP and, and the way that it delivers perspective to members. The Education Committee has an event coming up. It's for members only. It's April 5th. The title is This Land is Your Land. Wait, whose land is it? Uh, public versus private land. It's a great workshop with Mike Ford, uh, Vince Shetler, and moderated by... Rod Martin, sponsored by Harsh, our buddies over at Harsh. It's from 8 to 10. Go to the NAOP Southern Nevada website to register. Again, members only. And I believe it's free. Free for members. These education events, again, they can dive into the weeds and gather so much helpful data that we're not going to get on a podcast or we're not going to get on a breakfast. It's a different type of interaction. It's more intimate. It's Q&A. Uh, incredibly helpful. You can get from zero to I'm in the game just by going to one of these things. And I've been there and I've, I've there, there's a specifically a development one that I, I talk about still. It was two or three years ago. I sent this to somebody in my office and I said, sign up for nap because you got to go to this thing if you're interested in, in being in the land business. Um, I want to say that. And I also want to say this. We've talked a lot about what's possible and not needing rail. Yes. Needing rail, this, that, and the other, all that notwithstanding, we live in a cool city. We have amazing people that are doing awesome things, uh, both in transportation and economic development. Here in NAOP, you know, commercial real estate development. 
I think the the world is our oyster right now as a city, and if we can just, it's like anything else. I tell people I grew up in a city where people blew up buildings to make way for their imagination. I don't think that's changed. That's that's the the fabric and the DNA of of who we are. And when you hear a presentation like this, it really does. It gets you going, and it, I, I want to go out now and find some land to pitch to a developer with your with your bids, and let's go do something crazy. Our opportunities here are limitless. Being born and raised here, sometimes I take that for granted. But I listen to those that have lived elsewhere and came here for our opportunities, and that's exactly what Rick spoke about today. So that is our program this morning. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Make sure to subscribe to Takeaways wherever you hear your podcasts. Leave us a review. Tune in next time. Thank you for listening. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Takeaways podcast is about sharing and paying it forward. If you like this show, please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast and leave us a review. It really goes a long way. And if you really like the show, please share takeaways with a friend. Thank you and tune in next time.